Good morning, this is Ricky Jones from River Oaks Presbyterian Church doing our podcast from Sunday till Monday, the podcast where we try to make things as practical and as helpful as possible. This morning, my wife Bianca asked me to teach the Young Mothers Bible Study. This is a Bible study made up primarily of women in their late 20s or 30s who have children still at home, and she wanted me to speak on the topic of mommy guilt, which I was glad to do. So I'm going to uh, go to that now. I hope you find this enjoyable, and I hope it's helpful for everyone who struggles with guilt, not simply mommy guilt, but all kinds. We all know that the pressures of having uh, voices external to us telling us we're not good enough, and then uh, tacked onto those voices are the voices inside of us that agree and say, they're right, you're not good enough. I hope this talk will help you uh, to put those voices to death and to hear instead the voice of Jesus telling you how delightful and wonderful he finds you. Um, at, toward the end of this talk, there will be some questions. I take some questions and answers, and I'm not sure if you'll be able to hear the questions very well. I did my best to uh, repeat those questions so you'd be able to follow the topic. And I think it's best and easiest just to leave these kind of alone and uncut rather than try to polish it. The sound quality is not as good as I had hoped for. I'm sorry, I was trying a new microphone, and I'll do better in the future. Uh, thank you. Again, this is Ricky Jones, River Oaks Presbyterian Church, from Sunday to Monday. Please enjoy this podcast. But we're going to talk about guilt a lot, not just mommy guilt. So I think you'll... Wife guilt. We're going to talk about mother-daughter guilt uh, a lot. We're going to talk about all kinds of body image guilt. We're going to talk about true guilt and non-guilt and, and really what I'm going to try to what I'm going to try to do more than anything else is help you distinguish what you should feel guilty about versus what you should not feel guilty about and then the things that you should feel guilty about you need to take to Jesus and have him wash them and you need to believe the gospel and drink deeply of the gospel so that you don't feel guilty and the things that you should not feel guilty about you need to learn how to define them correctly what, what should you feel? For instance, a lot of things, uh, a lot of people feel guilty uh, about things that really just make them sad. It's like, okay, well, just be sad. That's, that's an awful feeling to be sad, but there is nothing you could or ought to do to f- fix that. And so let's take away the guilt feeling, let's just feel sad, and let's um, mourn that correctly, and then let the Holy Spirit heal it uh, in His time. But, but guilt, like Satan just works in it, and your own uh, voices of accusation will, will really work in there and just continue to make it awful. And let's get rid of false guilt, and let's get rid of true guilt. And I, I want you all to know and feel um, how good you are, how loved you are, how delighted in you are, and I want that to really... Uh, deeply minister to you. So is that understandable? Is that uh, that worthwhile? So let's talk first of all about why uh, specifically being a woman in our culture is so guilt-induced. And I think the reason for that, from my perspective, and and what we're going to do basically is I'm going to talk for 20 minutes and I'm going to let you all talk the rest of the time. Okay. So from my perspective, I think women are put into a place uh, that no one else is in and no one has ever been in from the uh, beginning of time, maybe. And that is this. Uh, no matter what you're doing or how hard you're doing it, 
you're not doing enough. And there's always someone there who's going to accuse you. So if you are uh, choosing to be a parent and use this period of your life to not work and, and dedicate your life to your family, then you have two different groups accusing you. One saying you should be working and you're, you're not being as valuable as you could be and you're, you're taking the easy way out. And the other people who are saying you're not doing enough, you're not doing a good enough job of being a mom. Um, and, and this group, the, the group that wants to condemn you for not being uh, successful in the world's eyes, we're just never going to be able to deal with that. Like you're, You have to be self-assured in what you are doing and what your calling is. Uh, and that's not guilt, that's condemnation. And, and I want to remind you of something that I hope I've taught you over the years, and that is this. It is your job. Colossians chapter 2 says this amazingly. It says, let no one condemn you. It is your job as a Christian to not let anybody else judge you. It's your job. That's an interesting thing. You would think he would say, therefore, don't judge anybody. That would make sense. But he actually says, don't let anybody judge you. That's your job. And you have to, and, and this is easy to say, and it is a daily, almost impossible thing to do. You have to internalize this truth that what other people think about me is their own business. I can't control it. I can't change it. I can't even speak into it half of the time. Um, and that's just up to them. What they think about me is just up to them. What I think about what other people think about me will kill me, however. It will become obsessions. It will, it will cause me to, to hate myself. It, it can really destroy me. And the only thing that matters is what Jesus thinks about me. And, and you've got to believe this. If you are in Christ, He is delighted with you. He is delighted. He's not disappointed. He's not discouraged. He is, he is just joyful to have you. And you can't tell yourself that enough. Um, the other side of the guilt, which I think is more damaging to the ladies that I've known, uh, is... The idea that if you, even though you are dedicating yourself to your family during this period, you're not doing it well enough. And I think the reason that that's become so damaging is this. Moms in this era are trying to do something that has never been done in the history of humans. And that is this. You're trying to raise children alone. Um, historically, that would never have happened. You would have, I mean, it sounds weird, and to most of us it would be weird, but essentially when, uh, you know, a man got married, he went and he got a wife, his wife, and he moved back to the family farm or into the family house. Like in the times of the Bible, uh, you would be, you know, you'd be betrothed from birth, and then you, would, you wouldn't be able to get married until you had built a house, a, which was basically a wing onto your father's house, where you would bring your bride into. And you'd, you would bring the bride in, and moms would come in and have children right there in the same house with their mother-in-law and their father-in-law. And that sounds weird, and I'm sure it had its own brand of difficulties. But there was this. You were not alone. And you're never expected to do it alone. And what psychologists are finally telling us that we should have figured out is that the, the healthiest thing for children is to have four to six adults in their life 
for security and for love. The only two things that children need are security and love. Okay, so you're all doing fine. Right? You're all doing fine. Your children don't need daily educational opportunities. They don't need uh, to be training for the Olympics. They don't need, um, you know, to be detoxified of sugar or whatever it is this week. They don't need, um, I don't know, I'm going to step on somebody's toes if I keep going. All they need is security and love. That's it. They need to know that they are okay and that they are approved of. Guys, that's it. (laughs) That's all that they need. They're doing fine and you're good parents, okay? (laughs) Because you're doing that. So just relax. Um, But the the belief that you ought to be uh, educating your children and uh, spending 100% of your time and energy with your children and doing it by yourself, that's, that's crazy. Uh, it can't be done. Uh, I'm, uh, I think the worst example are those, and again, I'm not trying to step on toes, but the people I've seen who are the most beat up by this are the ones who think that they have to do homeschooling. It's like it's not enough for you to be a mom, but you have to be like an expert in physics. And this idea that you have to do all this alone, uh, just the loneliness in that is overwhelming. It's not true. We have personal. We homeschooled. So it's not like we're just saying, oh, that's Yeah, and it was too hard. We homeschooled and it was too hard. And we couldn't do it. And, uh, and we did it for a long time. We did it for a long time. We did it up until fifth grade for our oldest. And, uh, it, and it just, putting them in the school is awesome. And we used community, which is what people have been doing since the beginning of time. So um, all that to say... Uh, I, th- I think you're trying to do something that can't be done, and you feel like a failure if you ask for help. And, um, and that's just not true. Asking for help is not a sign of weakness. It's a sign of wisdom. Uh, you do need help. So don't be afraid to, to ask for it. Um, so that's, that's the first reason why I think mommy guilt is so overwhelming for Christians is because you're, you believe you ought, you ought to be able to do something that cannot, has never been done, which is raise children on your own. The second thing mommy guilt I think is so bad is because you are trying to defeat death. Uh, what do I mean by that? We are under the condemnation, we are under the judgment of sin and death. Sin, all the... the the, your conscience, the bad things that you do, the judgment that you're under. Death is just the, the situation, the, uh, the place we are in life. We are all dying. Everything is dying. And that fights against all the American myths, like the American myth of constant improvement, right? You've heard me talk about that maybe. You know, this, this idea that I should always be getting better. Well, who says who? How is that even possible? You know, the idea of, you know, I'm fighting against death every day. I go to the gym almost every day. That's fighting against death. And I'm trying to do these, you know, these little apps, these little fitness apps. And the app is always improving, you know. And so if you accomplish a weight, great, you get to lift five more pounds next time. Like, when is that going to end? Like, when is this app going to come on and say, you won, you're in shape? You know, and the answer is never. Right? Because it's denying death. Well, parents deny death. Y'all deny death when you 
undertake this assumption that if you were a good parent, your children would never get hurt. And so when your kids get hurt, you don't just feel sad for them. You feel guilty like you did something wrong. Your children are going to get hurt. They are going to get physically hurt. They are going to have their feelings hurt. They are going to have their emotions hurt. They're going to, have their, they're going to be intellectually corrupted. They're going to think wrong things. They're going, to, they're going to cry. They are going to have their hearts absolutely broken, and they're going to die. I'm sorry. I'm not trying to give you bad news. I'm just telling you the truth. All those things are unavoidable. You serve an extremely important place of coming in and helping them deal with those realities. But you cannot prevent those realities. And honestly, you should not even try. Uh, You cannot prevent your children from ever experiencing pain. And honestly... Your kids don't even want you to. Like, they know that pain is part of the deal. That's what makes life fun. It is. You know that. Why do kids get a thrill out of building a ramp and riding a bicycle over it? Because they might get hurt. That's what makes it fun. Why do girls, I'm sorry, this is a sexist thing to say. Why do children look for somebody to fall in love with all the time who is never going to love them back. I think there's there's like a joy in getting your heart broken. Like that's just, the the risk is fun. It's part of it. Um, That's why they try out for teams and and they they know that. They don't even want you to prevent the pain. And whether they want you to or not, you can't. And so what I want you to understand is you You've got to stop feeling guilty. You have to stop feeling guilty about your children hurting and start being part of the solution, which is giving them the gospel so that they can heal. You can be part of the healing process. And of course, you know, I'm not saying let your kids play with forks and outlets. Y'all know that. I mean, yes, children can get, you know, if you let your children play with a fork around power outlets, they're going to get electrocuted, and we're going to look at you and go, you were a bad parent. As a matter of fact, you were bad. Um, you know, but as a general rule, the people in this room, um, nobody, is ex- nobody is looking at you when your son comes in with a broken arm or a broken foot. Nobody's looking at you going, you're a bad parent. You should have prevented that. And, um, and you need to stop looking at yourself that way. And you've got to start, you know, this is what I told one of my students. When, I, when Harold was little, he cried all the time because he couldn't make it through the night. And it was a tonsil problem. We fixed it. It was amazing. If only every problem was that easy to fix. Um, and so he just cried all the time. And so I had a lot of time. He, he didn't make it through a single night until he was four years old. And so I had a lot of time holding a crying baby, praying those years. And I remember very well one night looking out the window holding a crying baby, wishing that bad dreams were the only thing he had to fear in life, being aware that there really are bad things and they're all going to affect him. And at that point, I just I started praying and I said, Lord, I can't protect my baby from getting hurt, but I can give him the gospel so that he can be healed. 
And you, the, the way forward for you is for you to start believing the gospel. For you to start believing in the resurrection, that there are no injuries for your children that will not be healed. Uh, they will be uh, perfect one day and physically, emotionally, and psycholo- psychologically uh, healthy. They will be delighted in and they will know that they're delighted in and they will feel that in the resurrection. Those days are coming. Therefore, nothing you do is in vain because this this child that you're pouring your life into uh, is eternal and will live forever and will largely have you to thank for it. Um, You have to believe in God's providence, that the Lord loves your child and He's not going to let anything happen to this child that, that he cannot use somehow for the good of his people. And, and he's there. He is always right there next to your kids. And he is, nothing is touching him. I love the way the Heidelberg Catechism says it. Nothing can touch your children uh, before it passes through Jesus' nail-scarred hands. Um, and he makes some weird decisions. Right? He's, he lets strange things pass through His hands. And even as we look at our lives, we look back and we go, there were some really bad things that touched me, but even all, you know, already now, in, in my short 47 years, I can go, I can, I can look back and say, well, if this hadn't touched me like that, I wouldn't have gone on this direction and I wouldn't be here. And, I, and I, I've got enough experience to say I can trust what God is doing. And ultimately, I know He's good. I know the Lord is good, not because everything works out for me. I know the Lord is good because He gave His Son for me. And, and what does the Apostle Paul say? If he, didn't, if he would not withhold His own Son from you, how will He not with Him give you all things? So He, he cares about you. You know that, right? At your, at your deep, worst point, at your worst moment, you know that whatever it is that has happened to you or to your children did not happen because God doesn't love them. It, that's not why. You know, I've got a son right now who uh, may or may not have Asperger's, and we're going to find out in the next couple of weeks. And, um, and frankly, because I know he'll never listen to this recording, living with him has been hard because I have just wanted for him something that he's just never going to get. And there's not been a week of his life that has gone by that I've not begged the Lord to give him friends, even like angrily. Lord, you gave your son friends. And I don't know why my son is how he is, um, but I know it's not because the Lord doesn't love him. It can't be that. It just can't be that. So we're going to find out why, and we're going to figure out how to deal with it. But... We know what it's not. It's not because he's been cast away. It's not because God was asleep at the wheel. And it's not because he doesn't love me. So, and we have to remind ourselves of that. You will not just naturally believe that. You have to remind yourself of that every day. Um, and if you, and the second that you stop reminding yourself of the gospel, the second you stop reminding yourself that the Lord gave you his son, so he's not going to take away your son. The second you, you stop doing that, reminding yourself of that, uh, you'll forget. And then all the pressure comes back on your own shoulders, and everything that goes wrong is your fault. 
and and that's that's an overwhelming uh, guilt. Okay, so those are the two big mommy guilts that I think all of us deal with in some level. I'm not a mommy, and I never will be, but I deal with them. So, um, and that's that's how we fight them. That's how I want you to fight them. Those are two big ones. What are some other What are some other things that, that women your age feel guilty about? Being needy. What do you mean? They have a lot of needs. Yeah. And you feel guilty about that? It's hard. It's hard to ask for help. Okay. All right. Feel guilty about neediness. What else? I feel guilty about not wanting to be around them 24 7. <laughs> okay. I'm in childcare, I want breaks, and then I think this is my job. <laughs> around them all the time. Yeah. So getting tired, not not wanting my kids. Yes. Okay. I feel guilty about getting angry and afraid of you. Okay. You need me all day. Like, go away. Like, have I met your needs enough today? Like, just, you know. So you feel guilty that you're angry. Yeah, that goes in that category. That's specifically what I feel causes my anger at them lately. Okay. Okay, so kind of a cultural expectation. You know, if I stick my bottom out. Sorry, I shouldn't have said that into the recorder. Um, So you feel guilty for... This is my job, so I should yeah. be, like, sitting down, like, relaxed and relaxed. Yeah. 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 Uh, we'll put that under the guilty for being tired. Okay? I feel guilty when I don't have evidence that I've been in hell. Yeah. <laughs> like, when they're not... I get, yeah. No, okay. Said, no, it's your guilt. I'm the... Uh, yeah. I shouldn't have, like, four loads of laundry to do. Yeah. Oh, uh, okay. So for housework. Okay. Okay. Let me uh, let me let me group some of these things together because uh, let's uh, let's play with this a second. What are other things under the the personality? I'm I feel guilty because I am how I am. What are some other things you would put under that? ADHD. What else? Introverted. Introverted. How's how's it being introverted cause guilt? Okay. 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 All right. So that would kind of just go under the tiredness of not wanting to be around the kids. I think. I feel like I'm not 
like I have a desire to go a lot, mm-hmm. and my I have one that is more. She wants to stay at home, and and I feel like I'm pushing her mm-hmm. out of my need, mm. and that feels okay. like I'm not doing the best for her. So you're just on the go. <laughs> this is so easy. Y'all are so easy. Okay, good. I was really worried y'all were going to give me like something I didn't know the answer to. <laughs> All right, great. <laughs> what? I'm sorry, did that sound bad? Yeah. <laughs> I hope what, I, what I really want to do is by putting things on the board, let me rephrase that and let me show you what I mean. We'll solve them like that. No, no, listen to what I mean. Like, one of, the, one of the things that's going on right now as y'all are listing these things, hopefully, is, is a, a huge part of the healing process because if you don't talk about the things that you feel guilty about, then you, they just become this huge, overwhelming, looming shadow saying, you are bad, right? And if you just talk about them, usually... Like, let's just think. Can I, we just talk a second. Women don't... Men don't get the bad rap for not talking. That is not true. We talk. Women don't talk about things that matter. And what I mean is this. Like, y'all don't feel the freedom to share your guilt and your shame. Men do. And so it's just not a big deal to us. Okay, I'm going to use an example that I bet it probably never has happened. This might freak y'all out, okay? But it's just the kind of thing that happened. that example that you told me the other day? Is that bad? No, it's no no big deal. All right, look. This is the thing. I got to do it. I'm going to do it. It's no big deal. So the other day or several months ago, however, whatever makes you feel better, I saw a 20-year-old lady in a miniskirt, a 23-year-old lady in a miniskirt, and I looked at the friends next to me, and I said, you know, if you're the kind of person who's attracted to female legs, that could be distracting, right? Like, what was I doing? I was confessing that this is a, I just had a, an impure thought, right? Now, is there any way that's going to get acted on? Of course not. I'm not going to forfeit my job, my family, everything that I've cared about for, you know, just so this girl can tell me how gross she thinks it is that somebody twice her age thinks she's attractive. Like, it's not going anywhere. It's ridiculous and silly. And saying it out loud allowed me to hear that it was ridiculous and silly. And it's not going anywhere. Like, it just, the second you articulate it, it just dies. Okay? I don't think women do that. I I think you carry your shame. I mean, honestly, hopefully, the second you said, I feel guilty for getting tired, you thought, well, that's a dumb thing to feel guilty over. (laughs) I mean, seriously, like... Why would I think that I shouldn't get tired? You know, I got a child who sleeps 12 hours a day. Why do I think I can keep up with him on four hours of sleep a day? I mean, that's, and that's not saying to shame you into sleeping more. It just means, hey, guess what? You live under death. You're dying. You're going to get tired. You know, and so I just think, like, even just listing the, when I said these things are easy, what I meant was, hopefully, as you are articulating, you were going, yeah, that's a dumb thing to feel guilty about. I'm not going to feel guilty about that anymore. Uh, that, that's what I want you to, to be able to do. And just kind of, honestly, just laughing at yourself is a very healthy thing. So, go ahead. I feel guilty for, like, enjoying work. Like, I can't stay at home. It drives me crazy, and I enjoy work. Yeah. I feel guilty that I'm not at home. Okay, feel guilty that you're not at home. Sure. And that's under the cultural expectation of a different culture, right? That I'm not at home. Okay. What else? Um, 
something that I'm not able to have more relationships outside of just my family and my family. Okay. Like, even like siblings, like oh, work to pick up the phone and <laughs> or yeah. friends, yeah. sure. It's like we want to have more relationships. We mm-hmm. don't have the time yeah. for it. Yeah. Or we're tired and we can't. Yeah. I also feel like on that note, I feel like. Um, like a really bad friend most of the time because I feel like my friends do so many things for me and I feel like I'm always just taking. Okay. And I'm never really like, and that might be my personality. I um, feel guilt over. Like, <laughs> over. Like, she gave me a quiche yesterday. Yeah. My child at the same, like she brought yeah. her. Yeah. Well, like, and this goes under the neediness, right? <laughs> for receiving I things. Mean, I, I would never do that. I was so thoughtful. I think it's funny. I, uh, I tell people, some people have the gift of generosity. Therefore, some of us have to have the gift of receiving. Yeah. And that's me. Like, if, if everybody was just generous, then y'all would all just be going, I wish I had somebody to give this stuff to. So I'm here to receive. So that's, that's my gift to y'all. But that didn't make you feel like you're one of the, a crowd? Isn't that good? I don't feel like... Okay, well, let's talk about some of these things for a minute, okay? All right. Let's talk about guilt. Guilt is a good thing when it tells you, it is telling you that you have committed a sin and you need to go and be reconciled to God and somebody else. Okay? So if you... um, Say, uh, you know, spread a rumor that hurts the church and hurts another person, you should feel guilty about that. And that guilt should inspire you to act, to stop doing it, to go tell all the, talk to all the people that you sped, spread the gossip to and say, you know, I shouldn't have done that. I apologize. Go talk to the person that you have spoken about and say, I, I, I'm really sorry that I did that, and to seek forgiveness from Jesus. Um, that, that's a valuable thing. What I want you to see is nothing on this board is that. Right? There are no sins on this board. Y'all have not listed a sin yet. That is, uh, so really we're not even talking about guilt. We're talking about shame or we're talking about um, just uh, you know, low self-esteem or self-hatred, self-loathing. But there is not a single command in the Bible to don't be needy. Do not need. I mean, I've read the whole Bible a lot of times. Not as many times as y'all would like, but up several times. And that's not in there. You know, there's no commandment in the Bible. Do not be tired. It's just not in there. Ah, yeah, you... you you Gothardites are always be able to, are always good at using half of a Bible verse yeah, right. to make us feel guilty. Yeah, are you? Uh, yeah, so, are, is that is that it? Is that what we're doing? We're resting. Is uh, I believe the Lord says, uh, six days shall you work, and on the seventh day you shall rest." I think He commands rest, actually. Yeah, yeah, and he says, uh, It is vain to rise up early and to stay up late and to eat the bread of sorrows, for the Lord gives sleep to those he loves. So uh, well, maybe we should you know, read the whole Bible instead of just the verses that make us feel bad. Um, but don't you think 
that a lot of the, I mean, for me, I sin and am therefore guilty because of these things. Are they sin? Well, these maybe aren't, but they are the, in my life, I feel like they're the root of a lot of my sins. So are you talking like you're tired, so you yell at your children? Yeah, or I... Okay, let's talk about that. Yelling at kids, that's bad. Okay, let's try not to do that. I'm sorry. I was, that was like, no, I yell. Is that I yell? That's okay, though, but, you know. <laughs> your horse from yelling at your kids? <laughs> we're going to get to that. Actually, we're going like, to... There are things that we, we feel dark. They're what I call dark guilt. And that's the stuff that's hard to forgive. And we'll get to that. But let's just talk about non-guilt for a minute. Um... Non-guilt has to do with expectations. Again, remember what we talked about expectations? Like, they're, they're not from the Bible. They're not even healthy or possible. And usually, they are self-imposed. Because the fact of the matter is, nobody's thinking about you as much as you are. Like, there is nobody out there constantly thinking about Jordan, saying, Jordan just receives every time I give her something. Like, that person doesn't exist. Well, but as, and that's because you, you think about yourself, right? I mean, you, you're constantly, and that's okay. That's just the natural part of the human, the human problem. We're always thinking about ourselves. We wake up thinking about ourselves. We go to bed thinking about ourselves. But that's, that's not a sin. Receiving things is not a sin. Being tired is not a sin. Wanting your kids to go away is not a sin. It's not in the Bible that you have to be with your children 24 hours a day. In the Bible, as we've already talked about, your mother-in-law will be right there in the house with you taking your kids from you half the time. That, that's part of it. There's also this weird cultural expectation. That, and honestly, a lot of this is for marketing. People make a lot of money off this stuff. I'm not making you feel bad so you'll buy things and take your kids on vacation and that kind of thing. Um, but... Uh, it's not even healthy for your kids to for you to be with them all the time. They need to be alone. They need to learn how to be okay alone. They need to learn how to be okay outside of your supervision. They need other adults, and they need time alone. They need unsupervised time that's within you know boundaries. You don't just throw them out on the street. But um, the again, y'all. Well, backyards are good. It, you know, you've got to be age appropriate. Um, it is not sin to be angry, right? Now, it's be angry and do not sin. Usually, anger and sin go together. Um, and, but, again, this is the thing. You want to rest. Your kid comes up and needs you. Um, you don't get to rest. You feel angry about it. You feel bad about it. That is, uh, that goes into the category of living in a world that's under the slavery of death. Uh, in an ideal world, you would not need the rest. And if you had a, a, didn't have a fallen body, you had infinite energy. If your child, <clears throat> um, you, know, you know, in an ideal world that was surrounded by angels or whatever, maybe your kids wouldn't be needing you as much. I don't know. Some of that is just feeling bad about living in a broken world. And that's okay. It's okay to feel that way. I want to help you kind of identify the feeling. That's not guilty. That's just feeling bad. Like, I really wish I could rest. Okay? I'm mad at my kids for not letting me. Okay? 
pushing that feeling down and saying, no, I'm not, I can't ever feel mad. That, that, that produces this just kind of weird um, repression and, and emotions that, that fall out all over you and fall out all over your husband and whoever calls you next that you can yell at. Because you can't yell at your kids, but you can yell at your husband. Or you can't yell at your kids, but you can yell at, you know, your dog or whatever. But you can't tell your kids in a calm voice that you they're can. upsetting you and yeah. that they're making you mad. I did that That's, kind of like shock, like, what? I was like, yeah, yeah. I'm mad at you right now. Are yeah. Absolutely. And that's a valuable thing. I mean, you've got to teach your kids boundaries. And again, and it depends. You know, you can't teach a one-year-old boundaries, really. Kind of can, a little bit. Actually, maybe it's easier to put, teach them boundaries. You can put them in a bed and say, don't get out. Um, but you, a, a lot of, you're, you're exactly right, Rachel. A lot of what we feel guilty about is just being healthy. You know, if you decide to let your kid cry it out one night, feel terrible about it. You're actually being a good parent, probably. I'm not going into that. <laughs> not going into that nightmare. We let our kids cry it out, and they seem fine. But I'm sure that I'll be paying for a counselor one day. Whatever. Um, and I need, to, I need to get to talking about boundaries, but let's finish this up. You know, the, the, again, the cultural expectation. What other people think of me is their issue. It And... I can't tell you how much of a slavery that is. I, I get it. I get that it is a slavery. I can't put myself into yours. I am sorry. I, I really am. Um, I am sorry that some people are going to think you're a bad parent if you go back to work. That is their problem. And I can't fix them. And they're wrong. And usually what that is, the, the issue is we live in... Everybody is so insecure that anybody who's not doing what they are doing, it's easier to condemn them than it is for them to ask themselves a the question, should I be doing that? That's difficult, you know. And, and everybody, I mean, it's just difficult to be a, a healthy human being with boundaries. You're always asking yourself questions. Well, should I go to work? Should I not go to work? Am I working too much? That's a question I have to ask myself every single day because I don't have anybody who has the authority to tell me I haven't worked enough today. And that's, that's weird. I'm, I've been used to that now. I've done it for a long time. But that means I could always work more. I mean, there's, not, there's never been a single day when I've gone to bed and said I was the perfect pastor today. I could have always worked more. There's never been a day when I've gone to bed and said I was the perfect father today. I could have always done more for my kids. And there's never been a day that I've gone to bed and said I was a perfect husband today. I could have always done more with my wife. And so I've got to... And like I, sometimes I wish... Like it would be easier, right? Checklist. You know, hey, I did it. I got an A. Woo! You're not getting an A. Jesus is proud of you. He loves you. You, you're, he, you have His approval. And you're going to have to internalize that and make that enough. And that means there's going to be a lot of times you go to bed and go, hmm, I could have done that better. Okay, great. Get up tomorrow and do it better. That's fine. But we don't have this crushing guilt of, I'm a bad person. No, you're not a bad person. You're just a person figuring it out. That's okay. Just figure it out. Um, I think... You know, I think the housework goes kind of under this, too. You're feeling guilty for being tired, and some of that is an expectation issue. Um, you know, if you're, if, 
if your husband's expecting something that you can't give him, then you've got to talk this out. You don't need to just let this simmer as an argument that's not been had for 20 years, right? You need to talk this out. And, and maybe that means instead of um, one date a week, we're hiring a, a maid once a week and going for a walk while she cleans the house. I don't know. I don't care. There's a million ways to fix that. Um, again, it is not a sin to ask for help. It is a sign of wisdom, not weakness, to ask for help. If you can't do something that you feel like your husband or you, it, a lot of times it's just self-imposed, if you just can't do it, just admit that you can't do it and get help. Pride is a sin. The, the unwillingness to ask for help is a sin. Needing help is not. Isn't that funny? Just to clear the air. Yeah. I don't care whether you do housework or not. Well, but neither does Josh. I know. No judgment zone. Okay. No judgment zone. Uh, I know you do, but I want I want to I want you to breathe in the grace of Jesus that's in this room, and 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 enjoy the fact that you don't have to clear the air. There's no clouds in the air. Air's clear here. We're all fine. Um, does that make sense? Needing help is not a sin. Not asking for help, especially because you're proud, too proud to ask for help or unwilling to ask for help, that might be. Okay, and, and we need to turn that on its head. Not so that you'll feel guilty about it. I'm not trying to make you feel guilty. I'm trying to get you to get help. So, um, I, and that's true of, of so much, right? One of the things that Satan wants to do is he wants to destroy you by making you unwilling to get help. And that's what, what a lot of this, this whole... Uh, semester has been about. If you need help, which you do, with your marriage or with your emotions or with your personality um, or with your mental health, get it. Don't feel guilty about needing it. Get it. So, um, Let's talk about this for a second because I think this is a big one. A lot of people feel guilty for being how they are. Um, and this goes, this is physical, it, you know, it has to do with your body. We live... Uh, y'all know that we're the first people in the history of the world to try to lose weight. Like, for the history of the world, like, starvation was the issue. And evolution has designed you so that you won't starve. All right? You know this. Your body stores fat so that you can live. It's a good thing. <laughs> and so now we're trying to lose weight because we live for the first time ever in a time of plenty. It's not going to work. Okay? Losing weight is hard, and it's almost impossible. And it really almost has to become an obsession for you to do it. So stop being obsessed. It doesn't mean you're a bad human. It doesn't. There are people who make a lot of money by telling you that you can lose weight easily if you'll just do this or that. They're lying. Working out doesn't even help that much. It takes an hour to work off uh, the amount of cake that I ate on Friday night. <laughs> All right, and so I get up on Saturday. I'm really mad about how much away I go work out for an hour. I'm to get to zero, right? So whatever, uh, you know. So it has to do with your body. It has to do with your personality. Uh, yes, I wish I were calmer. I, I lose my temper. I yell. I'm a yeller. I, I, there's not a single one of my children who's not received my yelling. That's who I am, and because they are a lot like me, they can kind of take it honestly. 
Um, do I, I, I confess the sin? And we're going to get back to dark guilt here in a second. But uh, that, that's who I am. Some of us are easily broken. Um, we, we feel deeply. I wish I did not feel deeply, honestly. Um, I say that. If I didn't feel deeply, I probably wouldn't be as, as interesting of a preacher. Uh, you know, it's, energy. it's interesting to have like passion up front, I think. But I, I can't involve in, I, can, I can't engage in political debate dispassionately. I get really, really mad and I just want to hit people. I, I have a hard time driving through traffic without uh, envisioning what it would, how fun it would be because I know how to run somebody off the road. Most people don't know how, but I do actually. I could spin you out and flip your car like that. If you know how to do it, it takes one move. And, um, but I can't. I mean, it would be fun, but it would ruin my life in church, and I would end up going to jail. And it'd be bad, right? Uh, that's my personality, and I have to struggle with that, but that's how God made me. It really is how God made me. And I have to figure out how to be what God made without sinning, without spinning people out, without screaming at my children, without doing those things. But I can't sit around and beat myself up for being what God made me. And a lot of us do that. And instead of seeing the, the beauty of who we are, all we think about is what we're not. And it, and it makes us very angry. I want to illustrate this to you. Can I borrow this? Mm-hmm. So a good friend of mine, Joe Novenson, um, is a pastor and a... Uh, yeah, yeah, he has mauled hands. Don't you prove more cool. Um, he has mauled hands because uh, three weeks after getting married, he went to work in a factory at a steel press, and he got both of his hands caught in the steel press. And his wife had to feed, bathe, and uh, take care of him for a year because he couldn't use his hands, and it really transformed his personality. Um, and he's, he's a melancholy personality. He is a depressed person. He's, depression is something he struggles with. And one day, he was walking by his fourth grader's room. It was her, her bedroom. And she was in fourth grade, so it makes her, what, about nine years old. And he heard her crying. And he realized at that point, she has my personality. She's like me. And he went into her, and he took a, he took a glass cup, a glass glass, wine glass, actually, and a paper cup. And he said, I want you to explain this to you. I want you to understand this. He said, most people in the world are like this paper cup. They're fine. Um, and, but you and I are like this glass. And he picked it up and he started to slam it and she stopped and she said, don't. I said, why not? She'll break it. And he said, right, you and I break. And it's not because we're weak. And it's not because we're bad. That's how God made us. God needs people in this world who break, who feel terribly, who feel deeply about things. I would argue those are all of our poets, our musicians, our dancers, our artists, sure. our preachers. Some of our preachers. We have to have people like that in our midst. We need people like that. Us. What's the big deal and what's not? Yeah. And... Um, but, but for, this, for the purpose of this, I, I just want you to understand that you need to learn. Instead of feeling guilty about what you're not, I want you to learn to appreciate, to thank God for what you are. Uh, he is not mad at you for not being extroverted. That was a big deal for me. Uh, you know, when I went through campus ministry, I think they've gotten a lot better now, but 
the campus ministries that I went through before RUF came to, to Vanderbilt, they, they the, you know, the only thing they focused on was evangelism. And if you weren't an extrovert, you could not become the kind of Christian they wanted you to be. And basically, they just they equated... There's one other thought that went into this. They weren't trying to be malicious, but they did harm. Um, they equated, you know, shyness and selfishness and lack of faith and all these things with just being introverted. And that was a lie. It was a damned lie. And it really hurt people. Um, and so God is not mad at you for being what He created you to be. He is not. And, you know, a lot of us have this voice of accusation. The problem isn't so much the voice of the world. That's a problem. The problem is there's this internal witness that's kind of agreeing with them. Saying, yeah, you should be more like that. You should be working harder. You should, you're terrible. And it's quieting that voice that's so hard. And that's why we have to drink the blood of Christ. And we have to get it deep within us. And we have to learn how to preach the gospel to ourselves. It's not easy. It's not a single one-time thing. It's a day-in, day-out thing to, to believe. Like, God made me the way I am. And He likes me. He is just crazy about me. And He likes you. And I want you to believe that. Um, and that, that's hard. You know, again, I'm dealing with that with my son, right? He's, he's, he's on the autism spectrum. And God made him like that. To some degree. Some of it's the effect of the fall, and I'm not trying to say that things are God's fault when they're not, but bear with me. Um, and there are things that he can do because of that. Like, he has revolutionized Ross's ministry. Ross was, you know, it was a, a big pain because everything was just so disorganized, and no, he had, no, didn't have anybody to run the lights and to run the sound, and he was trying to trust these kids to run it, but they're teenagers, and they're breaking things, and Raul comes in every day and goes, where did you put my cords, and why is everything broken, and you know, and, and so he, he went and found Brundage, and he said, well, you do this, and Brundage, because it's just easy for him to do tasks, it's hard for him to do people, so he's not going to get distracted by all these people that he wishes would go away. He's going to keep the task and plan. You know, he has gifts. There are things that he can do because of how God has made him. And, and we have to teach him to appreciate that and be thankful for that. Can I ask a question? Yes. Um, on a practical note, so you, one of the things that makes Ben yell at our kids is when they guilt me. Like, remember that time you forgot to pack me a snack last week? <laughs> you, they say that to you? Yeah. Who you need to just smack them. Yeah. <laughs> like, oh, don't you know that I don't like my food this way? I mean, they're just little selfish people. Mm-hmm. Besides yelling at them mm. in anger at how terrible that is, what's a practical thing to say? To I think, honest, th- this is honest from the heart, and this is not terrible. Yeah. And this is bringing me fi- into my final point perfectly. If they are old enough to say that, they're old enough to pack their own lunch. Good deal. <laughs> I, I mean that 100% of my heart. So, you know, I would just look at them and say, you know how to make absolute sure you get what you want in your lunch every day? Because <laughs> I do. <laughs> pack it. And that's, that's, and that's boundaries. That is, that is boundary. That is cell walls. And the, you, you've got to have the job, your job as a parent is to make sure your children look like this, independent cells. Your job is not to make sure they look like this. All part of you. You need to make sure they are independent of you. They have a cell wall. 
And you stepping in to fix every little thing is just making them worse. You, that's true of me as a minister. That's why when I was a campus minister, I stopped answering questions for people. They would ask me, you know, what should I major in? What should I do? You know, should I date this girl? Should I date this girl? And finally, and it didn't take me really that long now that I see how old I am. <laughs> you know, when you're a kid, when you're young, you think everything takes forever. And then you get old, and you're like, oh, that didn't take long. I'm much older than that now. Um, I just realized that if I answer this question for them, then I'm just going to have to answer the next one, and the next one, and the next one. And I, it feels good to have people dependent on you. It makes me feel really good about myself to step into your life and fix you but I'm just going to do it again next week. Um, what doesn't feel good is to convince you that you can do this without me. But, oh, I'll see you. Um, but that's the only way ultimately we can help people. So, and sometimes those conversations come up naturally, and sometimes they're really difficult. So I counseled a woman last week who is just overwhelmed with guilt. Let me make sure she's not in here. She's not. Okay. Um, overwhelmed with guilt because she doesn't give her mom enough time and attention. And, the, and her mom always makes her feel guilty. And so she asked me these things. She's like, you know, sometimes my mom calls and I don't even want to answer the phone. And I blew, I blew her categories. I said, well, then don't. It is not in the Bible, thou shalt answer the phone. I've read the whole thing. You know, that, that is not a summons from God that you must answer the phone. Um, and the reason why her mom is like that is because her, her grandmother's like that on her mom. Her grandmother lives with her mom's house, in her mom's house, and makes this lady take her to get her hair done twice a week. And anything that, you know, she won't let her daughter leave the house uh, because she might fall. And what would happen if I, you know, and, and, and the internet, she told me the story. And I think it just illustrates it perfectly. Grandmother fell in the bathtub a couple of weeks ago and called for help for an hour, she says. And when she didn't get it, you know what she did? She got out of the bathtub. <laughs> That's becoming this. That's becoming your own cell. That's becoming your own person. That's what we have to let people do. And sometimes they're going to get mad at us and beat us up and make us feel guilty about it. And that's where we come back to Colossians 2. Let nobody condemn you. You can't condemn me. You can try that crap, but it's not going to work. Um, it's not, and, and, of course, with children, right, you can't look at a one-year-old and say, change your own diaper. You know, y'all get it, though. But, and, again, I know who I'm talking to, so I don't feel like I have to make all those uh, qualifications. But your goal is not to make them a, a big glob of dependence on you. Your goal is to empower them to help themselves. Joanna? Um, maybe you already just answered that in the last sentence, but obviously I homeschool our four mm-hmm. women, except for on Saturday when I go to work, I don't even get like an hour away from them a week mm-hmm. um, until they go to bed at night. So how do I um, make them little independent selves yeah. besides a great question. do their chores, like that's their responsibility when I'm... You know, it's like they're just in a conversation. I have to correct their grammar. I don't want to, but I'm their teacher, so... I, you know, I think that's a real difficulty with homeschooling. I think that's something you need to really put a lot of thought into. Yeah, I'm not doing when, it forever. When it, well, and not just that, but I'm talking about while you're doing it. Oh, okay. You know, when am I the teacher and when am I the mom? Um, and I, I, I would encourage you to have um, 
real clear lines of demarcation. And for your own health, I mean, I would say, you know, school starts, and this is just me spitballing, right? But school starts at 9 a.m. And so we're going to do something to transition into that. I don't know what it's going to be. Maybe sing some songs. Maybe, you know, go for a walk and come back in the house, something. But I'm going to be mommy up until 9 a.m. Then I'm going to be teacher. And we're going to intentionally transition into that. And then when school stops, I'm going to intentionally transition out of that so that I can go back to being mommy. Okay. And um, I think that's really important for your emotional health. I think it's important for them to figure out what they can expect. Like, can I tell mommy this story without her correcting my grammar? Like, they need to be able to do that and just be kids sometimes. And ultimately, you know, I was a huge part of getting rid of homeschool in our house because I was tired of being the principal. Yeah. And, mom, and Bianca never asked me to be the principal, but at that point I was officing at home and I just couldn't stand it. I just didn't have the patience to listen to things. And so I would always come in and be like, you need to do what she's telling you. And, mom, and Bianca would look at me like, I don't care. I was like, I care. <laughs> I'm downstairs trying to work and I can't because you're all doing it. You know? yeah. And so that, it just wasn't working for us. But I think those kinds of things will really help you figure out who you are. And I, th- and I also think you need to schedule times in their life when they're responsible for themselves. And, and, and everybody's got to do it their own way. I, I hesitate to tell you kind of what we did because as a pastor, you're, I'm always afraid of telling you all what I do because it kind of becomes, this is the right way to do it. So I'm not even going to tell you. But, you know, there needs to be days when they make their own breakfast and they dress themselves. And you, and you do that. You know that. There's, some, there's kind of a natural part of that, Right. And if I let my kids dress themselves today, then I'm going to have to let them go out like that. And that's going to make me look bad. But am I doing this for me? Like, this makes me feel good. This makes me feel unneeded, right? And your kids are going to go to college one day, and you're going to, they're not going to need you, and this makes you feel awful. So, all right, two questions. Go, Laura. experience for him. Um, we had a lot of trouble. We finally got through it. And on the way out, um, as I was leaving, his class went to the playground and he just started wailing. And I saw his, I mean, he just collapsed and three or four kids came around him. And, and it was just one of those moments where I went, it's my job right now to walk away. Yeah. I Good. Have to and I heard him wail the whole way to my head, mm. but just trusting that yeah. that's part of it and that's great and that allowed the, those kids to develop empathy and, and your son's going to be fine I know he's going to be fine can I throw just one thing when I homeschooled the one thing I realized is I, they, I need an hour a day where they were in their room yeah I think that's a great idea even an hour a day yeah. that I was in my room like reading a book or doing a Bible study or just like that they have independent time yeah. away from you for an hour or two uh, a day. I've, you know, and, and again, I'm, I'm going to try to stay away from rabbit trails, but I'm a huge fan of free-range children, and I think, um, like, you used to make our children do things. Like, I would give them maps and say, you got to go find the library. Um, That's when they're old, like, like 10, 11. Yeah, they're pretty young. I mean, they're in elementary school, but older. Yeah. But, and then I went and watched them the whole time. Yeah. 
ones. Yeah, the two older ones. Yeah, but I, you just got to find things like that. And if you're going to homeschool, which is a great option, there's a lot of wonderful things about it, you do have to be intentional about making them be re- responsible. And you will be. Can I ask one more question? I'll, I, you can ask questions as long as you want. Okay. Um, how does this transition into, like, marriage guilt? Like, yeah. you used up all yourself with your kids all day. Mm-hmm. And end of the day, and you want to, like, hang out with your husband. Yeah. You just, as an introvert, I just really want to be alone. And right. It's terrible. And he knows that about me. Yeah. And he, anyways, what are some, I don't know. What are some good rules for that? I think. Coping mechanisms. Um, Acknowledging who you are is huge. Yeah. And then you have to acknowledge whether it's a problem or not. So it may feel like a problem, right? A lot of these quote-unquote guilt feels like a problem like because it's all self-imposed. Like, I feel like I should be with my kids all the time. They don't feel that way. <laughs> Nobody else in the world feels that way, right? So, you know, it, it may feel like you're neglecting your husband, and maybe he's just really glad to be neglected. You know, there's times when I just really want to be neglected and, like, <laughs> kind of want to be outside or in a restaurant where nobody knows me. Like, eating in a restaurant by myself is one of my favorite things to do. I got to do that three times this week. So, um, you know, and that's, that's all just kind of acknowledging what's true. Yeah. And then if you're not getting something, if he's not getting something that he needs, right? We're not going to beat him up for needing it and say, well, you're just being too needy. That's, no, we're not going to, you got to be you, he's got to be him. And then if you being you and him being him is not allowing him to get something he needs, then we have to work on it together, right? And then, and this is just basic conflict theory, right? Here's Rachel and here's Ben. And if time is the issue, then we got to take time out from being something that comes in between us and make it into something that we are working on together, and as we work on it together, we're actually coming closer together. So it might be that, um, you know, three days a week, you're going to put, you know, I'm just, again, spitballing, you're going to put the kids in Mother's Day out, or you're going to hire a nanny. You know, I hired a nanny for Bianca when I was in campus ministry, and, and you think to yourself, those words make, you know, sound like, you've got to be super rich to hire a nanny. You don't. Like 15 bucks will get you two hours from most college students. And you can do that twice a week, and they'll come fold your laundry. Or they'll, you know, and then when I was at RUF, I would have students. This, oh, I shouldn't even tell you this, it's going to make you so jealous. I had students who would say, Can I take your kids a couple days a week? That was great. <laughs> Those were good days. Yeah. But, you know, if you'll, if you'll publish the need for that, you'll probably get it. Honestly, okay. I mean, especially if you'll pay for. It. I guarantee you, my kid will come play with your kids for two hours. He loves playing with kids, and so you know, if you trust him, he's only fourteen. But you know, find a way when you can work on this together, and that goes for everything. You know, that goes for sex—the thing we can't talk about. You know, I mean, yeah, yes. Put it on the calendar and figure out you know when it's going to happen, when it's not. So that you'll be ready when it's time to, to happen. So, um, yeah, that's good. Is that helpful? Yeah, very much so. Thank you. Okay. I'll answer questions. Eleven fifteen. I don't know when we end. I'll answer questions. You know, y'all know me. I'd rather answer questions than preach any day. Or just 
other things like people saying ugly things to you about what you did wrong. Um, primarily disobedience with the goals. Um, and so I think for me, what I get the most angered by mm-hmm. is being disrespected by mm-hmm. disobedience over little things and big things. And so over and over again, and then not feeling like I respond to that well mm-hmm. consistently, or I guess what I'm doing, mm-hmm. and yada, yada, yada. And then feel guilty if I shout or if I mm-hmm. respond in sin. I'll say two things on that. That's good, because you're going to bring me back to this topic that I've got to talk about and I'm trying to avoid. Um, okay. Um, a, dealing with your own sin means looking at yourself with the help of another. It's got to be with the help of somebody else. You can never look at yourself by yourself. It's impossible. Um, and asking, okay, am I expecting too much? Is what I'm expecting just impossible? And, uh, and that's, that's a hard question, and, and I just can't tell you. I'm not around you enough. You know, uh, I, I can tell Rachel exactly what I would say if my son got mad at me about what I put in his lunchbox, right? But, I, you know, your kids are a little bit smaller, and they're extremely energetic, and... Um, and just honestly, what sometimes, and I, I don't know, but sometimes what comes across as, as disrespect is just them being excited about something. You know, Isaac constantly got notes home. He, he's so energetic that he forced two teachers into retirement, and that is true. That is true. He pushed his third and fourth grade teachers into retirement. And they would constantly send notes home saying, can you make him stop humming? And I, you know, in their minds, he was being disrespectful. And I really wanted to write back and said, you know, I'm sorry my kid enjoys school. I'll try to make him hate it as much as all your other kids. I didn't say that, but I wanted to, you know, like, what they saw as disrespect was just Isaac being Isaac, and that's not going to change. You know, and so, and he still has a song in his heart. Um, So I, I just can't. So that part of that question, I can't answer for you. Okay, but I can tell you this. You're, as a parent, you're going to do things that you deeply regret. Okay, I've got one son who uh, is probably my smartest and is definitely my most just, he's just all, he, it was like he was born an adult. You know who I'm talking about? It's Harold. Like he was just born an adult. He could have an adult conversation when, you, when he was in sixth grade. That's not good because that means you've got like a fourth, four-year-old with all the desires and just the ridiculousness of a four-year-old trying to argue, trying to reason with you. And it became a reality, a pretty common reality in my heart that I was, like, it was just very possible that I was going to hit him. And I don't, I mean, I'm not laughing at all. It became something I prayed about a lot. Please, Lord, do not let me hit him. Because I feel like if I hit him once, it's going to happen a lot. And that's dealing with just the, the absolute ugliness that's in there. Like, yeah, I could hit, oh, you know, you think to yourself, I'd never hit one of my children. I'm like, oh, hell yeah, I could. And I think it would feel good at the moment, right? And then I'd feel awful about it for the next 50 years. And I, there remains some question about whether I did or not. Because one time I was taking a picture and he tried to photobomb it. 
And I was trying to keep him from doing it. But in the process of doing this, I hit his face and knocked him down. But he was jumping, so it was very easy to do that. So it's not clear. I never, like, reared back. It's not clear whether I actually ever hit him or not. I feel so awful about that. And, but this is how the Lord's redeemed it. So that was on Brundage's birthday when he was like 10. Brundage just had his 20th birthday. And that story came up. Came up accidentally. I, we were just kind of kidding around, and I said something along the lines of, you know, you kids always acted up on, other, on, your, on your brother's birthday. Y'all just couldn't stand it that it wasn't your birthday. And Harold said, yeah, you, you hit me once for that. And so... That's it. It's just, it is dark, man. It is just dark. And I wrote him, I, you know, and I asked his forgiveness for that a couple of times. And I, but I wrote him again. I was like, look, I'm, I'm sorry. I said, I don't have any excuse other than I just did not have the patience or the gentleness to be a father. And I hope you'll forgive me. And the Lord, he, I mean, that, the Lord gets just all in that, man. He just gets, and those, all those moments of, of repentance and asking your son's forgiveness, God just gets in that and makes it a really precious thing. And he sent me a stupid text, but, you know, it was his way of, of uh, forgiving me. And honestly, he's the child I'm the closest to right now for a lot of reasons, but I think that's a big part of it. And so that's trusting the Lord to be at work and the, just the, the grossest. Because, um, you know, you are great. You are good moms, but you're also sinful people. And, and you possess the ability to hurt your kids, and you will. Um, but the Lord's going to be in that too. And, and, and there's just a, an incredible well uh, to draw from of healing and, and hope and beauty that's in the gospel that's just not there if you're perfect. You know, and so uh, I want you to, to bathe in that freedom instead of, you know, instead of just being so afraid of doing something wrong. There's just no, there's no beauty in, in, in fear of doing something wrong. So you're probably overdoing it. It's fine. You'll be fine. He'll be fine. And, uh, and your kids are going to be wonderful. So it's a good place to stop, I think. Let me pray for us, and uh, then y'all can continue your fellowship. Father in heaven, we do come to you with, uh, with needy and broken hearts, hearts that are broken because we're not everything that we want to be, and even more uh, dark, Father, our hearts are broken because we are everything that we don't want to be. We feel guilty about what we've not done, and we feel guilty about what we have done. But we know that Jesus was beaten up for us, and that His blood was shed for us, and that he has, uh, and knowing that he has forgiven us, enables us to ask even our children for forgiveness. And Lord, we thank you for being at work in that and healing that uh, and cleansing us. Uh, Father, thank you for being a good, good father who just delights in us. Uh, I pray that you give us the, the, the grace to delight in our children just a little bit every day. In Jesus' name, amen. All right, thank you all. Now you know everything bad about me, so. It was, oh, let's see, I think it is. Okay. I think it's recorded. Yay. Where are you going to find it? Um, That's right. Yeah.
Wait, I'm dealing with. Okay, yes, it is recording. Stop.